Uh, the middle of the week and plenty from the day's radio. This is Playback Daily. I'm Carol Moran and here's what you might have missed. It's a scandal. We were told, Joe, we were brought in by consultants and actually shown the bottle and said, you are getting this in two months' time and it's going to change your life. Imagine, imagine how cruel that is to do to families. These kids fight for every breath that they have. Imagine, imagine taking that away from them. The one that we're really worried about is the potential for freezing rain. Now, it's a very rare phenomenon in these parts. We're not used to it and it's absolutely lethal. I broke my toe last year on it, so I know what I'm talking about. Patrick is not allowed to go up until after the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Oh. Well, I commit sin and I have my tree up for the toy show. What? You what? And we'll start with the live line and heartbroken families of 35 children with cystic fibrosis and the decision regarding the groundbreaking drug Caftrio. Paul was Joe's first caller. Joe, listen, I just want to say thank you so much for, for like having us and for giving us a voice. Joe, this is... This is just the most heartbreaking news that we could have. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how hard life is for, for, for like all of these CF families. It is, it is so, so hard. We live every single breath with our children, Joe. Yeah. And for them to be so close to kind of something and just be taken away for us, you know, for like no good reason, Joe. Like, these are children. These are children. We should be... Ha- we should be holding our hands out to help them as much as we can. They're the most vulnerable people in society, Joe. Like, I can't tell you how unfair this is on everyone. Like, our daughter, I can only speak for ourselves, yeah. but I know that everyone's going to say the same. Our daughter, Isabel, is like an absolute little firecracker. And, yeah. and, and she would probably kill me for talking about her on the radio. But she fights for her life, Joe, every day. Every day she fights for her breath. And like... All we're asking for is a chance to help them. Like, they have a chance. Like, there are other children across the road. I said there are other children getting the same medication. Like, why is it? Why is it that, that, like, our 35 children have been picked out and said, no, 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 they can't have it. Like, it doesn't matter. Price, price should never come into it when you're looking after the sickest and most vulnerable kids in the society. They just shouldn't come into it. They should deal with price or contract in four years, in five years, whatever. They should just get it across. Like, this is to help sick children who need it now. They need it now. Like, they're talking about making a decision in 18 months' time or, like, 90 working days' time. Like, it's too late. They Uh, need it now. And just just to explain to people, uh, Paul, what's happened, my understanding is, what's happened is the the government and Vertex, well, basically the government have decided, they're the customer. The government have decided, uh, Michal Martin's the Taoiseach, uh, Leo Varadkar will be the Taoiseach in 10 days' time and Michal Martin will be the Taoiseach. Stephen Donnelly will be the Minister for Health, he is today. To be honest, I don't care who the Minister of Health is on, on in 10 days' time. I don't know if it makes all this much difference. They're all equally as competent and skilled as professional uh, as the next man or woman and have a great uh, departments behind them. So it's not about jobs. This is about life. This is about of course, life. Of and course, my, my understanding. This is our lifeblood. This is lifeblood to the children. This is literally lifeblood. And like there's no like there's no good reason to say that this cohort can have it and this cohort can't. It's like saying that, oh no, you can't have the medicine because you've got blue eyes or you've got like you know, oh no, I don't like your shoes, so you can't have the, the kind of medicine. They need this. 
they need this and we should do everything we can and I don't mean just us CF families no. I mean everyone should do everything this is a scandal that they can't have it it's a scandal we were told Joe we were brought in by consultants by dietitians, by yeah. nurses and actually shown the bottle and said you are getting this in two months time and it's going to change your life imagine imagine how cruel that is to do the families imagine Imagine the cruelty of like these people that go through absolute anguish. These kids fight for every breath that they have. Imagine, imagine taking that away from them. Imagine even taunting them with it in the first place. I don't even get it. I don't even understand. Whatever the dispute is, Joe, they should just sort it out. Just sort it out. They go home at night time and they go, that's grand, we didn't make a decision today. It's fine, yeah, we'll make it next week. These are real families who sit up at night time going, when is it coming? Is it going to come? Is it going to help? You know, like sort of, oh, look, oh, look, she's not well now. Well, you know, maybe if she had this, then, she, you know, she'd have a chance. They should just sort it out. Well, that's Paul. Then Grania talked to Joe. We found out on Monday this week that um, our kids were going to go to a HTA, which is a health technology assessment. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're assessing our kids on their clinical effectiveness, the cost effectiveness and the budget implications that are these 35 children. So if they see that the money can be spent better somewhere else, then mm. our kids get pushed pushed off the list. And what does a H... Um, just explain a HTA, Grania, as you understand. The health technology assessment. Yeah. So um, it, it's a process that takes a minimum of 90 days. So we're talking already four months and we've no start date for when they're going to start this process. Yeah. And it comes down to cost. And the result will be either, no, these 35 kids won't get it, or yes, they will get it, but at this price. And then Vertex and the HTC go straight back to where they are now, which is discussing the cost. Um, so basically we're pushed six months down the line for no reason, just to come back to cost and pricing discussions on our kids. Now, everybody else with cystic fibrosis in Ireland today over the age of six has access to this drug without any HTA. So they're completely discriminating against our children and putting them through this process. And it is the 35 children. And there's no, my understanding, Grania is that there's no argument about the effectiveness of this. It's not that they're going to argue it's, it has side effects which wouldn't be... This, this drug has been passed by the, by the EU. Um, yep. It's been, it's been uh, validated by the EU, the EMA, the European Medicines Authority, for use in six-year-olds with this yep. specific genetic mutation, which are our yep. 35 you're talking about. But the Irish government has decided if you're aged between 6 and 12, if you're over 12, you can get it. But if you're aged between 6 and 12, and this is why you were on the programme a month ago, they were, will they, won't they, will they, won't they. We had 13 meetings with Vertex. They didn't have a meeting in October, didn't have a meeting in November. And we've been almost daily trying to find out. It doesn't look like they've had a meeting in uh, December either. Um, but it's now, it's now simply, and I understand the pressures on government, and I understand the pressures on pharma company. Um, but it's, it's now, it's not down to side effects. It's not down to the effectiveness. It's not down to the availability. It's not down to accessibility. It's not down to the way it's administered. It's not down to the number of staff we need to administer it. As Paul said so eloquently there, the bottle was held in front of us.
the medicine was held in front of us. It was 10 yards, five yards, five feet away from us. That's, what, that's all it takes. And it's an issue of money. It is an issue of money. Uh, and, and our kids were top of the list to get it because we haven't been on any modulators. All these okay. other people that got it were on our Cambi or Trakafka and have just moved to the better drug. Our kids haven't had any because none of them worked except for Castrio. So we were waiting and holding out for this one. My daughter turns nine on Monday. If she was turning 12, we'd have the drug, which makes absolutely no sense. And both of my girls in their little Christmas letters to Santa have asked for Castrio. And how do I tell them Christmas morning that it didn't come? It's so unfair. We've been completely discriminated against. And it, this is a huge, devastating blow for us that we've been working so hard for for the last seven months to be told that it's it cost. It's all come down to cost for our kids. I'm so sorry that people have to come on the national airwaves and open open themselves like this, Grania. I really am. And I, I know before you... You contacted Liveline about a month ago. You thought long and hard about it because you knew how upsetting it would be, but you felt it was your, your, not not the last row. Politicians have the power in this country, not not radio programs, um, and the Taoiseach and the Tarnish have supreme power. Um, but it looks like money is the power in in our society now. Um, yeah, they don't seem to be engaging with us at all. This has been really tough for us just to broadcast my kids yeah, yeah, yeah. all over newspapers and radio stations for something that is in my pharmacy. It's down the road from me and I can't have it. Well, that's Grania. Then Stephanie called about her son, Kieran. So Kieran is seven, yeah. So um, just like everyone else says, it's just we're absolutely heartbroken. It's just a toss to face another winter. Um, going into another winter like this. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Joe. Um, I'll tell you, take your time. So Kieran, Kieran is quite well, but he has been on antibiotics. For, he's been out of school for the last four weeks because just you're just so afraid of taking the risk. So he was he was due to he was going to be admitted last week if he hadn't improved, but thankfully he he had. But I suppose like okay. I was told last December, Kieran was getting this drug, and it could be January, or February when he gets it. Of 2022, of January, 2020. February 22. We were told he would get it, and I, I just found out on social media that the whole thing had been pulled. I didn't get a yeah. call from anyone. We're now three weeks but, away from January I 23. The, the angering part of it, Joe, is it's taken the HSE nine months to make this decision. Like, why they couldn't have made this decision in April or May of this yeah. year when this originally came out? They've done nothing and now they're delaying it. And that's kind of the difficult part to take. Like, We understand the negotiations, we understand the money, but there's no explanation of why it took nine months for this decision to be made. As hard as this decision is made, if it had been made in April or May, we possibly would be at a different point of the story here. And that's kind of the heart, you know, that's the angering part. Like, they've sat on it and done nothing, absolutely nothing, whereas everyone says we struggle every day. Like, I've spent seven years protecting Giron because I knew this drug was coming. So the thing with Caftrio or the thing with CF is every time our kids get sick and there's damage done to their lungs, yeah. Caftrio won't fix that damage. Yeah. Yeah. Caftrio will absolutely help their lives in every way, but if their lungs are damaged prior to getting Caftrio, it won't repair that damage. That damage is there forever. And that's, you know, that's kind of the part. So you spend your life and your days every day trying to protect them. Like he's missing his, he's missing his Christmas play now because he's not in school. He's missing birthday parties. 
we're going up to Christmas. It should be the happiest time of the year for these kids. And you're trying your best to protect them. But they know, like, Kieran's only seven, but he knew he was getting that drug because it was such a happy time for us. We talked all about how he was getting the drug, and now he's not, and he knows, and he understands. And that's kind of the part, you know, trying to explain that. And as Grania says, like, it would be the best birthday Christmas, or Christmas present we could all get, but it's not going to happen this Christmas. If, if it happens next Christmas, we'll be doing well. Stephanie there, and pensioner Catherine called Joe to voice her upset and anger about the situation. Joe, my blood is boiling in my body listening to that programme. I have grandchildren and I would not like to see them having to wait because of it's a money issue for tablets that they need to keep themselves breathing. I, am, I, I have a small pension and I am willing to give a certain amount of my pension to... I don't know, I'm upset. To have those children for tablets. Catherine, sorry, Catherine, sorry. You, uh, no, you're 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 grand, Catherine. I didn't, I didn't uh, foresee that. But Catherine, um, first of all, you have been paying taxes in whatever if all your life, be it through work, be it through buying food, buying petrol, buying. You've been paying taxes. The state collects taxes at almost every turn of of a, of a euro in the country. Uh, we're told now we've the biggest budget surplus. I know we've. Uh, outstanding payments because of the Quinn debacle, we've outstanding payments because of COVID, but we're told we've the lowest uh, the lowest unemployment rate ever, the highest employment rate ever. Um, there will be lots of backslapping, and I'm sure it's justified in 10 days' time when there's a new Taoiseach and a new Tarnishta and whatever, um, whatever other jobs are going. Um, but... This is down to, we're told quite clearly now, and I, I can't see any loophole or where it's not money. It's just down to money at this stage. The drug is available, as I said. It is accessible. Um, it doesn't take 15 surgeons to administer it. It's administered by the parent or whatever. Um, and it's simply and totally down uh, to money. Catherine, I'll, I'll let you compose yourself. I don't want, I don't, I don't want you... Yeah, I can, no, I, I, I'm fine. I'm you're, fine you're, now. Yeah. yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, well, well, I just I I I have grandchildren, and yeah. they don't have a, a problem yeah. like that. They have other things. Yeah. But my friend has two children that have lived a life um, uh, like, with that disease, and okay. I know what it's like. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just I'm just volunteering some of my pension if it means money to towards towards that uh, those children that they can get the tablet. And I'm sure there's other grannies out there and grandfathers that would do the same. That's Catherine. And Joe had statements from the HSC and Vertex at the end of Liveline. Two statements. I'm going to put them together. One statement from the HSE, Bill Trio, and one statement just in from uh, Vertex. The Vertex one has gone off my screen for some reason. Can I have it back on my screen, please? Uh, ASAP is the, it's the Vertex statement. I put them together uh, during the break and it comes to... 35 words, one word for every child. It will take about 10 seconds to read it out. That's how small the group is we're talking about. The HSE is committed to follow up with Vertex Pharmaceuticals in a proactive manner from Vertex. I'd like to reassure you that this remains the highest priority for us at Vertex and that talks with the HSE remain uh, active. That's how quickly you can read out 35 words, each of those children. 
have a name and uh, you can read out their names. If you go to any list, you can read out 35 names of children in about uh, 12 seconds. That's how small a group and how big a group it is in terms of the, uh, the world we live in. Joe Duffy in the afternoon. And on a cold morning, today with Philip Adger Hayes was talking about the temperature drop and how to keep warm and protect your home over the next few days. As Ireland is set for the first cold spell of the winter following an extended spell of above average temperatures, Met Aaron is warning the temperatures will be several degrees below zero at night and will only rise a few degrees above zero during daytime as an Arctic air mass takes hold, which will see showers of rain, hail, sleet, snow and freezing rain. In a moment, I'm going to be speaking to Kieran McCarthy, who's an engineer, house builder and co-presenter of Cheap Irish Homes on RT Television on how to keep the house warm now. But first, I'm joined on the line by meteorologist at Met Air and Joanna Donnelly. Joanna, um, this is going to come as quite a shock to the system, isn't it? I think many of us had probably forgotten what frost looks like. Yeah, it was uh, exceptionally mild in November with the temperatures were way above normal. Even up until last week, temperatures were about two or three degrees in places above normal for this time of year. That's that averaged over day and night. And now the next week, this week coming, temperatures going down to below five degrees below the national average. So it's a drop in a mean temperature of about seven degrees in a week. It's really, really going to be noticeable. At the moment, it's still below freezing in places, um, coming up to half ten, and it's below freezing, and the temperature's really unlikely to rise that much today. It's a really, really cold mm. spell coming our way this week. Really, really cold, but this is not a beast from the east scenario, is it? There's no huge amount of precipitation or a storm coming with it. There's no storm, Emma, coming up to to bury us in metres of snow, no. Um, but there will be some precipitation, not a huge amount. The sea surface temperatures are still really high, actually. They're still up to about 13 degrees. So the showers are generating over the sea, so they are coming on to land. And at times, they'll drift further inland on a breeze as well. And so coastal areas and at times even drifting further south of the sea showers and at these temperatures, of course, the showers are going to turn um, frozen. So that's sleet, snow, hail. Um, the one that we're really worried about, and everybody should be worried about, is the potential for freezing rain. Now, it's a very rare phenomenon in these parts. We're not used to it. It does happen in other areas, but we're not used to it here in Ireland. So it's very tricky. It can leave a sheet of black ice without any warning, which is absolutely treacherous for walking on for cycling on for driving on it's really really treacherous so if you are on the roads and you know it's been any sort of precipitation has come out of the sky if you can't see it it doesn't mean it's not there you have to take extreme care on the roads do the do the science bit behind freezing rain for us will you please do the science bit okay i will i love doing this okay so the air above us is frozen of course the precipitation starts to fall freezes into little crystals, falls through and what we call a nose of warm air and it it warms up just enough to turn back to a liquid state but it's still freezing. So it's freezing liquid. It falls back through the freezing layer at the surface. It doesn't have time to turn back into the frozen crystal and hits the ground as a liquid and solidifies instantly on contact with the freezing ground and then that's when it's... Okay. It, it creates a sheet. It's absolutely 
smooth. It's the smoothest thing you'll find and it's absolutely lethal. I broke my toe last year on it, <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. And, and how much of this depends on how much warm or liquid water, uh, well, obviously liquid water, what am I saying? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how, how much of the uh, capacity to do damage does it depend on what the ground is like when it hits it? I mean, if it is already wet, it, it's going to melt, surely. If the ground is wet, well, it depends on what, because the, what the gritters put on the ground now changes the um, chemicals on the surface of the ground. So it changes what's happening in the physics uh, at the surface. So it, once the grounds are gritted, that helps a little bit. But it, yeah, you're right. It depends on what's going on on a very small level. So that's why it's, it's a tricky one to forecast. We're only new to forecasting freezing rain because okay. as I say, it's not, it's not common here. But it, it depends on a lot of different situations. It's, there's only a risk. It's not a certainty, like all things in weather forecasting. It's just with these temperatures this low, once the precipitation starts to melt at a higher level, then we're, we run into the risk of it uh, falling to the surface as freezing rain. What's much more likely to happen is that it will just fall as sleet, which is a mix of uh, snow and rain. So that's what sleet is, a mix of the, the frozen crystals of snow and like you say, liquid water. Okay. Uh, liquid water or, or frozen water, there are, you know, water is a, a vapour, a liquid, a gas. It's a very complex thing to be dealing with. Um, basically, there's a one-size-fits-all piece of advice from you guys here, though, and it would be, take it handy. Absolutely. And, and, and that's on all surfaces, you know, that's walking too. That's how I broke my toe last year on the walking out, warning the nation to be careful of black ice, walked out the door and slipped on black ice. You're, you're making a but, real play for sympathy on the broken toe, aren't you, Joanna? <laughs> yeah, well, it was a, a long time, but no, <laughs> genuinely, because you can't see. You know, we're not so scared of snow and even frost, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of bumpy. When you walk on snow, mm. you've got some sort of traction. There's no traction on black ice and you can't see it. It's black. It's not black. It's invisible. You can't see it. So that's why we say if you're going out the door, wear, wear your sensible shoes and take care. Okay. If you know anybody that's infirm or vulnerable, call in on them. Don't be having them going out on the on the black ice. It's there. Joanna Donnelly there. Then Philip spoke to engineer and cheap Irish homes presenter Kieran McCarthy. Kieran. Top tips, please. Start with your number one. What should we be doing or what should we have done, ideally, a couple of months ago? Uh, good morning, Philip. Um, well, I suppose the, the one interesting thing here to uh, to think about is, like, if you remember in, in when we were all young, uh, when our attics were poorly insulated, uh, our attics were always warm because we were getting all the heat up through the house, up into our attics, which are roasting. But uh, but the lucky few who have good, well insulated attics know could um, know their attics are cold effectively because all the heat is kept in the first floor. So your attic tanks uh, could very well be um, in risk of, of freezing and the pipes associated. So it'd be well worth them um, to, to to place some insulation over those, be it a kind of a, a temporary leg, legging jacket or or indeed lag the pipes. So uh, so I suppose that's that's the, the first thing I'd say. And of course, any pipes coming into your house. Um, Ideally, you'd have the pipe um, set kind of, you know, four or 500 mil under the ground. But a lot of people, of course, have pipes up the side of their house, the, your water pipes. Um, mm-hmm. And these can all these can all freeze. So even getting something as very simple as a, as a 
as a, a length of lagging, a pipe lagging, which you can get in any hardware store. And it's very easy to just press this onto your, um, onto your pipe. And if you want to do it a bit more permanently, you can put a cable tie over just to hold it in place. Very simple to do, very cheap to buy um, the cable ties and the lagging, the length of lagging. And uh, let's, stop, let's, let's stop the water freezing coming in straight away, you know. Talk to me about sealing up those little sneaky drafts around the edges of windows and doors. Is it something that you need to leave to the pros or can you have a go yourself with some sealant? Well, that, that's very straightforward. I mean, like, look, we all know that heating bills are going way up because the, the price of heating oil and, and gas and, uh, and, of course, electricity has, has gone way up lately, unfortunately. But uh, the last thing you want to do is lose the precious heat that you spend so much money on. Um, so very simple things like uh, you know, windows that aren't closing properly, um, and uh, the, like the opening sections of windows uh, and front doors and whatever, any external doors to make sure, like in a front door, it's probably more down the, the threshold and you can, the draft excluder will do an awful lot there. Um, be it a homemade one or something you can buy in a, in a builder's merchant, all up the sides of your your, your doors and windows. Uh, like again, that product you can buy in a, in a hardware store, the draft excluding um, rubber strips, which are cells adhesive. I mean, they have a sticker on the back, you can peel off the uh, the adhesive strip and stick them on behind uh, it like the other thing is most like, a lot of people will have a pvc window at home and um, you can get them it's unlikely a big window company will service them but there's a lot of kind of you know individuals kind of man in the van type operators who will come along and very cost effectively service your windows and make sure they're all locking now look i suppose they'll be in high demand in the short term but as a medium term uh, I mean, we're only at the beginnings of the winter really as a medium term option it's well worth getting all those checked you know now the other thing is like where pipes and wires enter your or exit your building is always an obvious place for um for drafts so you might find where a four inch pipe um exits your building there could be gaps and these are all these are also gaps that rodents can can enter through um your any uh, <laughs> kind of inch and a half white pipe coming through the uh, the house as well and uh, and of course wires entering the house be it low or mm. up high at kind of eaves level they can be filled with expanding foam it's probably the easiest way to to uh, to fill all these if it's- Kieran McCarthy from today with Philip Badger Hayes And in the morning, Ryan Tipperty was soaking up the Christmas vibes live from Arnott's department store with two random shoppers. We're live from Arnott's department store uh, in Dublin city centre and it is indeed beginning to look an awful lot like Christmas. And as you can appreciate, the tills are ringing once more in a way they haven't done maybe as much uh, in a few years. So everyone's out and about, very excited. Uh, two shoppers joining us today, uh, this morning, I should say. Good morning to you both. Thanks for being here. Morning, morning, morning. Uh, morning, morning. Yeah, 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 you're just yeah, yeah. shopping in Arnott's and you grabbed yeah. us in. We did, <laughs> uh, we did. Uh, where are you from? We're, uh, we're, we're from uh, uh, Rathgar. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Rathgar, Monkstown, you know, okay. that area. <laughs> I do a little bit. All over there. Oh, Very large so houses. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just well <laughs> off, we're well healed. That's all you need to know. Yeah, so yeah. that's yeah. it. And, yeah. and, and what, what, what are you doing here today? I'm actually buying um, clothes for my uh, kids. Clothes. Lewin, Cooin, Ruin and Shewin. And um, yeah, they're, uh, one of them's 10, the other one's uh, doing his leaving cert. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he's a bit anxious, Ryan, about that. But I'm always saying to him, I'm always saying, Ruben, as long as you're happy and healthy and you get enough points to do medicine in Trinity, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually doing the Christmas swim the, uh, this year. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you the, into the, the whole season? The wild swimming thing is amazing. Oh my God, it's totally changed my life. Has it? Do you really? know and myself and my kids are going. Fonia, um, Fionn, and Fachna. <laughs> and um, yeah. we'll just get in. But the swimming has totally changed my life. I don't know if yeah. you know if you do it, Ryan. But no, no, but I mean, when, when my hair, you... my hair, my, my sleep, my energy, everything. Everything's out. And when did you take this up? Uh, yesterday. Oh, very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, a life-changing yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to do something different for the dinner this year, around, just to let the listeners know if they're interested. I'm doing a chicken and a turkey. Yeah. I'm actually doing a chicken and a turkey and a duck. Well, I'm doing a chicken and a turkey and a duck and a pheasant. Are you? I'm yeah, doing yeah, a chicken yeah, and a turkey yeah, and a duck yeah, 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 and a pheasant wrapped in pancetta with a drizzle of apricot jus. I'm cranberry around it as well and an Are apple. Are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and your friends. Yeah. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I'm beginning to get a sense of this sort of um, there's a great deep enmity between in your friendship, but that's yeah, the way it goes. You know, I mean, Monkstown is better than Radgar, but well, that's what she thinks. But you know, Sheen, yeah, she, you just have to let it go. You, you, know, you just have to let it go, and without ever letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 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 Christmas thing is happening. Do you get excited about it? Are you looking forward to it? Oh God, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it is amazing. We've That's amazing true. lives. Yeah, we have amazing lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hashtag yeah. feeling blessed, Ryan, is all I'll say. Hashtag feeling blessed. Yeah. You know what I mean? What yeah. lesson week to go? With You've got to go. You've got to go. so much. Okay, well, uh, thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome, yeah. And there's a, there's a whole dry robe section down there on the left. Oh, yeah, yeah. great. We're looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Bye, bye, bye. There they go. The Southside ladies are heading off. Thank you both very much indeed for being here. Uh, that's great. It's... Uh, eerily familiar sounds there I have to say but uh, that's what happens and then later Ryan introduced us to Sinead Colbert and Sue Collins aka the Dirt Birds okay let me say hello to two people who have been making a a lot of us smile in the last few years due to their brilliant uh, online presence and they are not real shoppers they were here with their in the the different guys they are the Dirt Birds uh, self-proclaimed Sinead Colbert and uh, Sue Collins welcome Sinead welcome Sue good morning thank you good morning Ryan I enjoyed your your observations of the uh, the accents be they Cork be they Dublin be they Northside be they Southside (laughs) where where are you going to take notes to do that Maeve Binchy you know listening in the coffee shop sort of vibe everywhere everywhere is that that how it works because it's uncanny what you were doing there it's, yeah. it's, it's autobiographical all our stuff I think our yeah. show is autobiographical our online sketches are stuff that's actually happened to us and yeah. characters we meet okay. and little I tell you yeah. everybody's afraid of us Ryan because they're going don't put because <laughs> the principal of my child's school said don't put me in yeah. a sketch yeah. please oh yeah <laughs> their nerves are gone I was, I was everybody pa- is fodder yeah. yes fodder. yes yes I was <laughs> at a parent teacher meeting uh, with one of my ki- for one of my kids and the, the Irish the Irish teacher was had his hand over his eyes and he I, could, I didn't know what was wrong with him and he said I can't look at you I can't look at you. I'm after watching your parent-teacher sketch. I can't look at you. So, yeah. So, it's... Yeah, it's, so, it's, they're, yeah, it's so they're going, we're, we're, we will end up in one of these... Yeah. Th- and we don't care, you know. We'll, we'll yeah. risk any relationship if there's a gag in it. Everyone, yeah, I like your style. <laughs> you, you suffer for your craft. Tell, <laughs> t- tell me who the dirt birds, are, dirt birds are for people who haven't had a chance to listen to you and uh, how you got together. Give us a sense of, of the of the. Well, we're, uh, we're two comedians, first and foremost, two stand-up comedians yeah. that got together and we 
write sketches and uh, we post them online. Um, and it's kind of everyday stuff. We laugh at the sort of strains and struggles that generally women have, yes. to be honest. Yeah, we're kind of the antithesis to the kind of insta-perfect yes. life. Oh, thank God. It doesn't yeah. exist. Yes. Yeah. It's a lie. Yes. yes. All of, so so <laughs> we're a mess and we make other people feel yeah, better about yeah. their lives. Oh, I love it's basically well. for, for all the women of yeah. Ireland who are hanging by a thread. Yeah. <laughs> that's, who can't, that's, that's who our, can't get their stuff together, together. let's say. And yeah. they're just trying so hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, some people are trying so hard for that, that insta-perfection or that yeah. Yeah. Twitter Please say don't try. Don't no, let try. It don't let it all hang yeah, out. Go for let it. it all Be hang out. Be honest to yourselves. Yes. Uh, hashtag no filter. <laughs> hashtag let's let's yeah. talk about that because yeah. uh, no filter is, uh, is one of the great big lies a lot of people are telling oh, these yeah. days, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's it. It's everything's filtered. Yeah, I think our show is kind of, they come and see it and they kind of go, oh my God, I've seen my life play out in two hours there. Yeah. Thank God I'm not alone. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's doing really well. It's going great. So we're in the Olympia in January. Congratulations. Yeah, we're very excited about that because it's stand-up and it's sketches and it's funny songs and it's like, it's everything in there, you know? And uh, You're doing five nights in the Olympia. So yeah, it's I not know. just one yeah, night in the Olympia. I can't believe yeah, it's because the popular, So tell me about the popularity of the show in terms of what the audience are saying to you. What What's the feedback you love to hear? I think they're sort of saying thanks <laughs> for... We kept going during COVID, so yeah. we kept posting sketches during great. COVID and they had nothing else to look at and they were... they. You know, that's the line. I wouldn't say that, Sue. They'd not been <laughs> <laughs> they you. watched us 24-7. Day. No, hang on, we had a bit of that in the late, late too. I'm going to share that, that uh, deprecation. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we call it the captive audience. You yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Nowhere yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The and then the pub's line. open and go, God, you capricious people. Where were you? you were there. We were there for you and now the well, pub's yeah, open. Yeah. Good luck. Well, yeah. we, don't, we don't like to hear people saying, you, you helped us during COVID. We're like, we're still helping. Yeah. Yeah. Tune back in, my friend. We're the post-pandemic recovery program okay, yeah. we're going to mind you still exactly but they love it it's 99.999% women by yes. the way Ryan we'd love you to come I'd love to be at the audience love, yeah. and sit in the front yeah. row and sit in the front row no heckling fine. No, no abuse no no should we no leave tears. you alone completely I am getting nervous now I feel like the parent teacher meeting yeah, uh, teacher free ticket for you yeah there are some men that come I mean they hide under the seats at the yeah. back of the auditorium yeah. but they do yeah. come they about do three come. I admire the fellas who show up at shows like that though to just yeah. go, they don't know what on, they're coming to Ryan well do you know what maybe more guys need to go to get an education as to how they, oh, exactly. I think you'd learn from that yes, yes they you know would. what I mean absolutely that's um, a very good point many yeah. years ago in my stupidity I tried to I watched every episode of every season of Sex in the City with the view to try to understand what the hell is going on yeah. and you were uh, more confused I well I'm, I'm still damaged um, <laughs> as a director you'd be even worse after a dirtbird show well yeah. that's it yeah yeah okay I'm ready I've got to start the year as I need to continue more trauma in my life just what I need because <laughs> you're busy you've got your own lives you're busy you've, yeah. got, you've got kids to, oh you know, god yeah I was four teenagers yeah. four teenagers yes okay uh, what, what ages are they so they're 18 17 15 15 and uh, it's like literally like four aliens wow. have landed in my house <laughs> time yeah. and sucked all the hot water out of it <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of basically how I'm feeling. Yeah. Oh lord, yeah, that yeah. is oh, that is incredibly yeah, my daughter, intense. My daughter talks like that. You know what I mean? What's that? I can't understand what she's saying. Where's There's actually only two words she says that I uh, that she makes sure I understand, and that's revolute me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Colbert and Sue Collins, aka the Dirtbirds, from the Ryan Tuberty Show. And on today with Philip Outer Hayes, the real cost of returning those internet purchases.
Are you already sending back some of your Black Friday or Cyber Monday deals? If you are, you're not alone. In Ireland in 2020, 12% of online purchases were returned, with consumers three times more likely to make a return following an online purchase compared to a brick-and-mortar purchase. So what is the cost to of all of these returns? Where are these clothes ending up? Are they going back on the rack or not? Jo Linehan is a sustainability journalist and she joins me on the line now. Jo, good morning to you. Morning, how are you? Very good. Are they going back on the rack or what is happening to them? Well, unfortunately, we don't know, but a recent sur- survey by Opturo, which is a reverse logistics company in the US, they came out with some fascinating data. They basically found that in 2018, in the US alone, returns accounted for about £5 billion of waste sent to landfills and about 15 million tonnes of carbon emissions. So that data is a very small um, kind of a sample, if you will, of what's going on. So we know that, in fact, they're probably not going back onto the shelves, a lot are ending up in landfill. What is the thinking there of the companies that wouldn't put them back on the shelves? Is it just that the the garment is made so cheaply that it is actually more expensive to wash, to sort and to redistribute back to their retailers again? Absolutely. And look, the fashion supply chain is one of the most complex in the world. It's extremely complicated. So for a lot of companies, they're not even taking back returns that you send them. You know, you might send something back to a retailer, but in fact, it's not going back to them. It's going back to a third party warehouse um, and, and that it may not even make it back to the retailer in the first place. As you mentioned there, a lot of fashion these days is extremely inexpensive. So for them, if you're buying a dress or a pair of trousers for 12 or 13 euro, the cost for them to receive it back, have someone check to see if it's damaged or if it's okay, put it back onto their system and then, you know, update update it on their website. It's simply not worth that. They're better off throwing it out and making something new, unfortunately. Their bottom line might be better <laughs> with them throwing it out, but they and us are not definitely not better off for it. Talk to me about how much of this is happening here. Have you any numbers? So basically, we, the fashion industry is notoriously clandestine. We really don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And I think that's why this statistic that came out from Opturo really shocked people because consumers, rightly so, you know, are very careful when, when they're buying. Like we have data that says that Irish consumers in particular, more than half will review a returns policy before buying and 82% will consider the returns policy before they buy an item. So we are presuming that when we send things back, they are going back onto the shelves and unfortunately they're not and like I said we just don't know how much is being sorted and and what isn't I spoke to many different retailers for the feature that I wrote around this Uh, some were more forthcoming than others some are very proactive in what they're doing with their returns and they're very honest in saying that they will take them back they sort them and they put them back onto the shelves others declined to comment and that would suggest that perhaps they're not being as uh, responsible with the returns as they should be Well let's do the honour roll then who did tell you what they're doing and what their policy is. So ASOS, H&M and Zalando came back to me and they had some very interesting things to say. ASOS were very upfront. They said they have a zero landfill policy and 97% of their returns go on to be resold. They were also honest and they said that around 3% of their returned pieces are too damaged to to, uh, resale. So those are recycled responsibly. 
Zalando similarly said they have a very robust uh, returns uh, policy in place. For them, they find about a third of their returns are to do with sizing. So they've implemented a lot of sizing guides on their website to try and reduce that number. Um, and H&M again said that they have absolutely no items going to landfill. Um, you know, they actually came under a lot of fire there in 2017 for burning unsold garments. So they've been very proactive in what they do with their returns now. Um, unfortunately for the piece, uh, you know, the, the two of the biggest retailers in the world, Shein, which is a Chinese online retailer, uh, Zara, and Next, they all declined to comment, which was a shame. So we're not sure what happens there. But it is open to anybody listening here now to ask the question themselves the next time they consider making a purchase from a company that hasn't declared what it is that they're doing. What I'm really interested in here is a phenomenon that I hadn't come across before. Bracketing. What is that, Joe? Mm. Bracketing is such a fascinating new kind of term that emerged and really it took off during COVID. So because we were all in our homes and we couldn't go to brick and mortar stores, we had to buy online. And what a lot of consumers ended up doing was this term, which is being called bracketing. And basically what that is, is that people would buy maybe seven or eight items of clothing with the conscious decision in their mind that they would return anything that didn't work. So basically they were creating their own kind of changing room in their homes. They'd buy everything that they needed, try on whatever suited they kept and what didn't they would return. But unfortunately, the problem with that is that when those things are returned, they're not always resold. Um, You also have an issue where people were consciously buying things, keeping the tags on and then returning them, which is a huge issue for retailers to then get get stuff back that has been worn maybe once, has the tags on and is returned. So this has been deemed bracketing. Joe Linehan from Today with Philip Archer Hayes. Well, Jackie Leonard and Sons Fruit and Veg were celebrating 130 years of trading. So great-grandson Justin Leonard popped into studio in the afternoon to talk to Ray Darcy. Uh, here's a good news story, a celebration. Jackie Leonard and Sons marked 130 years yesterday supplying fruit and veg across the country. Uh, from humble beginnings, Kate Leonard opened a fruit stall in Dublin 7 selling vegetables at what was the wholesale fruit and veg market on Mary's Lane. Uh, Kate's great-grandson, Justin Leonard, has been a part of his family business for the last 42 years. <laughs> How are you doing, Justin? Very good. Thanks uh, for having me, Ray. Happy anniversary, birthday and all that sort of thing. 130 yeah. years, that's a long time, isn't it? It's a long time. Long time for one business. Yeah. And, uh, long time for one lifetime, but... Uh, yeah, fantastic achievement, even if I say so myself, and delighted that we made it, you know. What do you know about your great-grandmother? Well, I know she uh, lived in Lurgan Street, which is at the top of North King Street, and that would be only maybe, say, a football, a football pitch and a half from where the fruit market is. And she actually traded... The, the fruit market, where it is, just behind uh, the forecourts beside Cable Street, was always an area for trading uh, fruits and vegetables, and indeed fish, and she actually sold fruits and fish. So, obviously, way back in 1892, Dublin Corporation decided that, you know, these people need a proper structure in which to trade their wares. And hence, the Dublin Corporation fruit market was erected and built all in the same year, which is an amazing achievement if you, if you think about it. If you've ever seen the, the Corporation fruit market, it's... I have, it's yeah, yeah. Perhaps one of the most, well, red to me, brick, it's red, 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 brick, brick. red brick, terracotta tiled, yeah. uh, one of the most beautiful buildings in the city. And uh, it was erected and built in the same year. So they started uh, construction around February 1892. And on the 6th of December 1892, the market was officially opened. 
And as my great-grandmother was a trader of the area, she was afforded the right uh-huh. to set up stand in the fruit market. And uh, hence, that's the, the day that we officially started as being a, a business with, with a structure yeah. in which to trade from. What age, uh, what age was she? At that time, she would have been around 24. Right. Yeah, and which is amazing because when you think back to that time, uh, obviously we were still uh, under British rule. We were part of the empire, you know, second city of the empire. And that's the great thing. Women didn't have a vote. Women didn't have a vote, no suffrage. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't say she was the only one, but probably unusual for a woman to actually start a business. Yeah. But um, I suppose uh, women were always great for minding the pennies and then the pounds would look after themselves. But... Hence, she started the business and then through the generations, uh, my granddad, Jack, then my dad, Jackie, and then myself, my two brothers, we took it over. And your sons, you have two sons. I have two sons and they come in and help me in the morning. Uh, they're in college, but they come in with me at half four in the morning and... Uh, so they'd be, what, they'd be, I'm just, the numbers here, fifth generation, would they? They'd be the fifth generation. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they'll make it their, their full-time goal when they finish, but... Uh, you know, you have to get them in and yeah, uh, teach, give them a taste teach, for give them a taste and teach them young. <laughs> I mentioned there that you're 42 years, so you were in there at the age of 13 with your dad. 13. So when I finished uh, national school, 12, going into first year, finished first year, and thought this is fantastic. You know, three months holidays, brilliant. Uh, first week spent in bed, uh, <laughs> playing with the lad, football with the lads, running down the Phoenix Park. The second week. Six o'clock, hauled out of bed. He says, I said, what, what's the story? My dad says, you're coming into the market with me. I need a help. And so that was uh, 1980. And ever since, every summer holiday, Easter holiday, Christmas holiday, I'd go in and work. And then even through uh, secondary school, I used to go in in the morning uh, with my dad into the market. I'd work with him till about half eight and then ramble up to Denmark Street, up to Belvo, right. go to school, finish a half tree and go back down and finish out the day with him. The market was open till five o'clock in those days and then go home and we'd do it all again the next day. Justin Leonard from The Ray Darcy Show. And in the morning, live from Arnott in Dublin, Ryan Tupperty was talking to Brian Redmond and sports star Stephanie Roach about the new season of Dancing with the Stars. Nice to see you again. Nice to see so you So I too. passed yourself and Dean on the street the other day. We were just on the move and you were doing your thing and I was doing my thing. Little did I know, a few weeks later, we'd be sitting here talking about Dancing with the Stars. And if you go onto our online activity today, you'll see Stephanie with the most appropriate glittering backdrop it's very Dancing with the Stars backdrop it is I think it happens uh, sort of through magnetism once a celebrity is announced as being part of the cast glitter follows glitter just attracts (laughs) towards them keeps coming it does Um, now you you, you were asked to do this before weren't you yeah and just it wouldn't work for you time wise yeah well obviously with me being away playing professionally it was difficult to kind of commit to the time obviously I'm about a week and a half into training now and it does take up a lot of your time so Um, it's coming at a good time. We're in the off-season now with uh, the Women's National League, so it's it's definitely uh, the right time for me now, and I've just been thankful to be able to do it. Why are you doing this? You are a smart person. <laughs> you are athletic. You are able. You are talented. Why would you bring this into your life? 
I don't know. I've been asking myself that the last last few days. Have you to come be up with an answer yet, Stephanie? <laughs> no, not just yet. Um, I'm I'm taking it all in my stride at the moment. Um, I think it's exciting. I'm excited for it. Um, obviously, very very nervous because I've never done anything like this yeah. before, so it's totally new to me. It, but um, it, it seems like a different, very different type of physicality to say training for the pitch or whatever. It seems to be challenging yeah. different parts of the body than you ever expected to be. Yeah, I can see you using your arms straight. That's the struggle I'm having at the moment. My <laughs> well, feet are working. Well, as a natural dancer, <laughs> <laughs> That's my struggle at the minute. My feet are working, arms. and now when the time to bring my arms in, I'm like. What? Yeah. what do I do with this? So well, yeah, that's the that's the challenge at the moment. I always feel when I'm talking about Dancing with the Stars that I do have a certain amount of empathy on the basis that for the toy show I have to try and uh, what do you say bust a few moves? Is that <laughs> I think the, I think the important word there, Ryan, was try. Anyway, <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm being judged. I'm on the throne. I do the judging. Uh, but I, what I would say to you is that uh, it, it, I'm so bad that eventually Stuart, who's the kind of my coach if in that in that sense, he looks after the kids and then the biggest kid of all. Uh, it went from, yeah, try these moves, try these moves. Every year. Try these moves. This year he said, walk over there, wave, walk back there, wave. He's just having none of them. I think I, I, think I broke him. Um, so that, that's and Stuart what, teaches kids who are maybe five, six, seven years old I walking off the street. him demented. I could imagine. I, you know, because with Toy Show, you know, I become nine for a month. You can imagine the people I work with, they are broken. They are destroyed. They are destroyed. They can't even make eye contact with you no, now no. because they know how bad it is. So in that, in what I'm saying is, do you have um, do you have moves? I mean, do you do you do, are you have you got rhythm? Are you? Um, <laughs> I don't know to be honest. Um, I've never done dancing before. Never kind of been involved. Obviously, footballs took up all my all my time over the years. Um, Did you I dance like to? Sweet Caroline at a wedding. Yeah, I think I've had years. this conversation. That's probably the only time I've danced at a family wedding, and I've used uh, I've used uh, Maniac uh, 2000 a few times. Dancing. Yeah, <laughs> I have to sway down anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah you got the sway yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, it's getting yeah. the rest of it now. I follow. love when this happens, Ryan, because when you ask questions like that to celebrities who are on the show, when we're as judges sitting here, yeah. they always try to work out what's the best answer to give. Yes. Yes. Do I up the ante and say I've got a chance, they're no, they're, or do I dumb it down and say no, I'm no good? They don't know what way to go with that. Well, question. I noticed on. Friday Friday night on the Late Late we had four contestants on and one of the tactics, and it is an annual tactic I've yeah. noticed, is they tend to alight on one, normally the youngest and the allegedly uh, most agile, if you like, and they go, she's our biggest threat. Yes. And they're, you know what I mean? They're yeah. just kind of going to pile on so that the eyes are off them a little bit. I mean, this is this is the Hunger Games with sequence. There is, and there was one contestant I noticed because I do watch on the yes. Late Night Show on Friday night who sort of didn't go down that route. Yes. Somebody who scares me quite a lot when it comes to the potential criticism. Yes. Panty Bliss. Panty Bliss. Oh, I oh. may have met my match. You may, she burst onto the show on Friday night, let alone what she's going to do on, on uh, the dancing. Um, so yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, is what you. I'd say to you, and you may have met her because <laughs> she'd be able for the you know the slap downs. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. When you're slapping, like, I think I'll just get one critique in, and then I'll sit back and batten down yeah, the hatches I and wait that, for the response. Batten down the eyelids. Um, what about the the the, comp the other competitors? Are you going to give me the Mother Teresa answer and say they're all lovely, or do you actually think someone's better than the other? Um, no, they are all lovely. No, Mother Teresa joining us live. Typical dancing with the stars yeah, answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish somebody come in and go. You know what? You know your man. You're yeah, not don't so like nice. <laughs> a bit rude. Uh, but no, we're not going to get that. So yeah, they're all lovely, aren't they? And yeah. they're all brilliant. And yeah, you want them all to great. win. Yeah, everyone's great. <laughs> so does Stephanie want to win? 
Um, obviously, I'm very competitive. I've come from a competitive background with competing in football. Um, I'm not too confident at the moment that I'm going to go all the way, but I think once it gets started and I get that bug, I think I'll probably be looking to try and do it, but we'll see how we get on. Now, another guest from the late, late last Friday is Vera Pau, a very important woman in your life as the ladies' football team manager, women's football team manager, I should say, and she uh, will be watching for the squad for Australia. Yeah. Uh, where are you in all of that? Um, well, at the moment, I'm kind of obviously I've been in stand, on standby in the squad the whole way through. Um, I got back in for the Georgia game, um, so I'm, I'm still in and around the squads. Yeah. Um, this, our season obviously starts in March after I finish up here, so I'll be looking to put all focus into the season and then hopefully coming up into July, I'll be able to put myself in the mix and, and impress during the season. Are you optimistic? Um, I have to be, don't I? I think as a, as a sports person, it's, it can go either way. Um, uh, so are, you, are you hungry? Obviously, yeah, definitely. You want this. Yeah, 100%. That's the, that's 100%, the stuff. Yeah. That's the fighting stuff you really need. Now, you got married in June. I did. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. That is, are you still together? We are, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen him. <laughs> so I haven't seen him in a while now, but it's been That's why busy. I asked. <laughs> oh, you never know people's lives. Yet. What? <laughs> Dancing with oh, stars God. hasn't started yet. Steady on, Brian. <laughs> I don't want any talk of curses yet. Uh, sorry, you haven't seen much of them because... Just been so busy since we got back. We had our honeymoon at the end of the season. Obviously, football always gets in the way, so uh, football finished the end of October. We went on our honeymoon. And Where'd you go? Where'd you go? We went to Dubai for four nights and then on to Koh Samui in Thailand so yeah. it was lovely lovely yeah. break yeah. had a great time yeah which is great and where did you meet uh, we met Jesus where did we meet probably through friends really we're together since we're 18 so a long long That's time ago a long long time yeah yeah wasn't Bebo was it it actually was yeah no <laughs> Yes, it well, was. I believe he done my quiz on Bebo. What? Actually. That's where the first. Hang on, no, no. What happened? Tell, was. Me, tell me about the Bebo. <laughs> Justin Bebo. <laughs> so, Go on. Yeah, for people who don't know Bebo, it's the before Facebook. Bebo was the it's, main thing. It's basically the, it's the Rosetta, <laughs> it it's the Rosetta so Stone, <laughs> but for computers. Okay, so you're on Bebo. Yeah, so on Bebo, you've done a quiz. Um, I had a football quiz on my Bebo, and he done it. And yep. one of my questions was, who was the highest leading goal scorer in Irish history? He obviously said Robbie Keane, but Olivia O'Toole was the answer. And that's where it started. Oh, the conversation boy, started. <laughs> um, well, look, look, Bebo, where all great love stories start. Uh, Stephanie Roach, good luck with Dancing Thank with you, Stars. Right. Stephanie Roach and Brian Redmond from The Ryan Tuberty Show. And in the morning, Catherine Carton of Dainty Dress Diaries was talking about making the most of your DIY skills at Christmas when she was chatting to Philip Edger Hayes. But first, when do you put up the tree? Now tell me this, is your tree up? When do you put your tree up? No, the tree is not allowed to go up until after the Feast of the Immaculate Conception or Culchy's Day Out. Okay, well I commit sin and I have my tree up for the toy show. Because I couldn't watch. You what? Yes, you, you what? could not watch the toy show and not have. No, no. See, the people trip. like you are the problem. <laughs> you are the worst. The very, very. I'm living worst. in Christmas tree sin. <laughs> <laughs> and let us talk about a slightly different way of decorating the home. Uh, a consistent theme that you're calling Scandi decor. Yeah. So if you are a bit of a minimalist, or maybe you're not arse, but you want to make it look like you've made the effort, there uh-huh. is a trend. So if you you can just tell people you're, you're speaking on my trend. language. Yes. So Scandi minimalism. So just think foliage, twinkly lights, maybe a little bit of snow spray, but less baubles, 
barely any bows. So think of a fireplace with just a foliage garland. You could have, you know, eucalyptus or you could have something okay. more fluffy. So run outside, hack a branch off something, <laughs> yes. throw it up on top of the fireplace and say, <laughs> Put lights on it, put lights on it. Job done. Job done. And then the one thing with this trend is if you're doing this with a Christmas tree, a wreath and a garland is to just be consistent. So if you have a Christmas tree that okay. is full of bling and you have your garland on your fireplace that's looking a bit empty. It might look like that you ran out of bobbles or you just ran out of steam. So just be a little bit consistent across the board and it'll all look like you consciously did that. And what's nice about this is you're talking about no baubles. No baubles. If you're not into baubles, leave them in the attic. Yeah. yeah. Well, just there's so many people I suspect that go out and buy more baubles every year to supplement yeah. the ones that have got broken the previous yeah. year, and it's not necessarily the most sustainable. No, thing in and the world. you can also do paper decorations. The good thing um, online with social media at the moment is there's a lot of people sharing hacks on how to make like paper stars out of old book paper, recycling old books to make paper stars or little angels and stuff. Now, when you do see little videos online, they do make it look very easy. So just allow yourself some extra time if you are going to do any DIY like ornaments and stuff but definitely that kind of scandy trend is very earthy minimal and DIY think like orange slices you can dry them yourself in the oven and natural kind of decor pieces so minimalism um bringing the same thing to the Christmas table and to the centerpiece mm -hmm. can look lovely, can't it? You know, that little yes. bit of evergreen foliage, maybe some ivy, what are two ivy, bits of holly. Ivy, eucalyptus, candles. The thing with the tablescapes is, so you don't have to be too fancy with the table. I always say keep it simple because it has to be practical. So start with a table runner or a table It has to clear the way for all of the plates that exactly. you put on the table. And the thing is, when you see a lot of these tablescapes on Instagram, they look absolutely beautiful, but a lot of them are styled pictures just for that or they could be magazine pictures they're not actually practical when you're handing over a plate of spuds to someone or pass some butter so you can have it look pretty but it has to be practical so start with a table runner and then layer onto it and then you can have your charger plate and then your normal plates also I always thought that you know that charger plate I thought that was just there to look nice mm -hmm. apparently it keeps the plates warmer for longer, mm -hmm. it retains the heat. I didn't know that. And protects the table. So layer your plates down. So start with your big fancy one and then the one that you're actually going to use. And then I'm not one for having loads of spoons for everything. So just do what works for your family. If you are if you are someone that likes to go all out and set a big fancy table, then do it. Another thing you can have fun with is place names and doing DIY place names. And you can just use card, cut it into shapes, use a Sharpie. You could even get the kids involved and get them to make some little DIY place names and uh, napkin rings as well you can make them out of paper so have a look online you could maybe do like a star shape or a bow I seen a video where a girl just cut a simple shape and folded it and it was in a bow and she put it around the napkin so very simple oh, now if there is not enough finicking and fussing <laughs> in all of this for you if you're not using up enough of your time you could go down the Boho Woodland route. Yes. Now, what so is this, please? I noticed a theme. And also, if you are finding the same kind of decor um, pieces in the shops, 
the garden centres have gone all out this year and they have much better decor pieces for Christmas than some of the homeware shops. So something I came along a trend this year, if you are into a woodland theme, I noticed there was a bit of this theme. So think like wood slices um, on the centre of the table, layered with candles, foliage, and then little critters. You mean thinly cut logs when you're talking about wood yeah, slices? Yeah, wood slices. Okay. You can get them in craft shops um, or you can cut them yourself. You can sometimes get them in the DIY shop and you can just oil them and then you can use them um to and what do they do do they just sit there or could they you... sit there and they look <laughs> stylish <laughs> <laughs> that's Catherine Carton from today with little about your house and that's it for playback daily so mind yourself till next time <laughs>